This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping Carlson Short Shifts, the only fantasy hockey podcast hosted by two fellas in the playoffs of Tier 1 of the Cupful. I am Ben Burnett. Joining me as always, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Well, I know that that intro is only going to last uh, a little while longer, but I love it when we can deploy it. It's very nice. Yeah, I, I figured why not bring it back while it still remains true. Uh, as we've talked about, it does look like you and I are careening towards a first round playoff meetup. So we'll have some tense. Uh, we'll have some tense episode planning next week, I guess. Uh, Lewis, let's hop right into the show here. We are going to go right into the headlines. And of course, it is trade season in the NHL. The trade deadline is set for Monday. So we'll probably have a few more trades to discuss uh, for our next show on Tuesday. But today, we, of course, have to lead off with the big blockbuster in New York. The Islanders landing Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac in exchange for a couple picks, a couple prospects, uh, Palmieri and Zajac playing tonight on a line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot uh, looks to be a bit like a third line situation. Lewis, we talked about Palmieri on Tuesday. Do you uh, do you like this location for him? Do you think that this is a, a good spot? We, we sort of last week or, or earlier this week, we were talking about how it's kind of a it's tough to say whether some of these guys are going into better situations. Yeah, well, first off, big surprise, Lou Lamorello goes with the devils he knows. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's just this, it's very typical of the kind of moves that we've seen him make uh, in his career quite frequently. I got to say, uh, you know, we said on Tuesday that uh, a trade for Paul Mary may very well put him into kind of a support role. Uh, and it does seem like this is a possibility. Now, I will say with the Islanders, it does almost feel kind of like a Montreal top nine kind of setup because, you know, uh, this line with Peugeot and, and Zajac is, is not nothing. Like these are guys with skill. I kind of like that, but I don't know that he's going to be as relied upon as maybe he would have been uh, in New Jersey. Uh, I kind of look at it as a side grade. I really don't think it's something to get super excited about. I also don't think it's a disaster, even though we're sort of calling this a third line spot. I sort of feel like he is, you know, maybe likely to just sort of continue at the same rate. The one thing I would worry about is, and I have not looked at power play time yet, um, but I might worry that he could uh, take a hit in terms of power play deployment just because, you know, they've got some guys up there. But with Anders Lee's absence, that may have a spot open where Zajac could potentially be successful. 
So it's, I think it's interesting talking about the even strength because, yeah, it is a, it is a pretty flat uh, curve as, in terms of who's getting, who's getting the big minutes on even strength. I would like to see him get up with Matt Barzal and like, this is game one, right? So who knows where he'll be in a few games. I, I definitely don't think he's locked into a third line role in, in Long Island, on Long Island. What we've seen so far, the Islanders did have a five-minute major early in their game tonight against Philadelphia. The first unit that they put out, and it's worth keeping in mind, this is a team that, that again, it's a flat usage team. They have two power play units, despite the fact that Matt Barzal is clearly their best option. They they pretty much have a 1A, 1B. And so Palmieri was on a unit with Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, and Nick Letty. The other unit, of course, Barzal, Eberly, Matt Martin, and Anthony Bavillier, and Ryan Pulak. Uh, I don't. That this is where for me it, it sort of falls off. And and we talked about it the other night. Kyle Palmieri's pace this year still only on pace for forty points over a full season. Way way down relative to what we've seen from him. A big thing for that is his shooting percentage is low. I mean, pretty much everything has been low for him, though. It's it's just been a, an awful year in New Jersey all around, so there's no real surprise. I don't think that he himself has fallen off to a ridiculous degree. But one thing that, you know, the longtime followers of, uh, of, you know, short shifts, and before this we had the average time on ice account, and we were on Locked On uh, Podcast Network, and I've always always loved Kyle Palmieri. Prior to this year, I had him every year. He was always good value. This year, it felt a little off to me. I didn't go in on him. But one thing that I've always said about Kyle Palmieri is how good he is at scoring on the power play. He's always been above average at even strength. But on the power play from 2017 to 2020, he ranked sixth in goals per 60 league-wide. That's a list that goes like this. David Pasternak, Mika Zibanejad, Steven Stamkos, Patrick Laine, Austin Matthews, Kyle frickin' Palmieri. Elite, elite power play goal scorer right ahead of Leon Dreisaitl and Braden Point. So I think that this is kind of a bummer for Kyle Palmieri, that he's not going to a team that's going to put him in a position to score a buttload of power play goals. Well, listen, you make a really compelling argument. You've brought so much evidence to bear, but... You know, you just get the eye test on Matt Martin, and why would you not have that guy out <laughs> with Matt Barzal on what, you know, has the flavor of a first power play, except for that one kind of uh, gaping hole? No, I, I'd really like that. And, I, and the, you know, it, it goes along with more or less what I was thinking is I, I'm worried about this power play uh, deployment. I think it could be, you know, an area of concern for him. But, but you know, I do, I do think at least in terms of, yeah, like you said, this is this is a, a flat kind of deployment that we're looking at here, uh, not unlike what we see in Montreal. So it's an interesting one. And, and like you said, we'll have to see how things progress. Um, but yeah, uh, a little bit, I guess not surprising, um, but but an interesting place for these guys to wind up um, just because it's not uh, it's not a demotion, really. And it's not much of a big promotion like we sometimes feel about these traded players. Uh, who get a lot of hype in the aftermath of their trade. Yeah, and I mean, I'm by no means an Islanders fan, but I would be pretty excited to add this type of forward depth in Long Island. I think that's a it's a good add for them as a team who's going to be back in the playoffs again, and I, I think that they could uh, make some noise for sure. Lewis, we had one other trade today. We're going to run through it pretty quickly, I think. Brett Connolly and Riley Stillman, along with prospect Henrik Borgstrom, who actually played, I guess, a year in Florida 
and a seventh round pick traded from Florida to Chicago for Lucas Carlson and Lucas Walmark. Florida clearing a little bit of money off the books, offloading Connolly's contract. Any fantasy impact here, Lewis? I mean, I'm interested in Borgstrom to keep an eye on him kind of down the line. Florida, I feel like, thought they had something in him, uh, even though he didn't get a ton of run uh, last year and nothing this year. But uh, fantasy-wise, in terms of short-term, outside of keepers and dynasties, no, I'm not really interested in this. Yeah, I think it's it's basic. I was The correct answer that I was looking for was no, but I'll accept, uh, I'll accept your eye out for Dynasty League managers. All right. <laughs> we'll hop over to the injuries and outries section here. And starting in Pittsburgh, where Evgeny Malkin skated for the first time since getting injured a few weeks back. Uh, you know, we've talked about this Pittsburgh top six and power play quite a bit over the past few weeks, especially with the ascension of Jared McCann. Typically, when it comes to that power play one, you think of it as a last one in, first one out situation. But at this point, Jared McCann, four power play goals in his last six games, none tonight. And actually, I don't know if this was a Mike Sullivan sending a message thing to a team that wasn't the his boys who weren't really doing much on the power play, but they scored a power play goal when they started their second unit on a power play in the second period here against the Rangers. But, uh, you know, how do you take Jared McCann off power play one as he continues to shoot the lights out? I, I have a bit of a hot take. I think it's going to be Brian Rust who comes off power play one and when Malkin's back. I, I just don't think you can take McCann's shot off that unit, especially when it's it's something they've been looking for the rest of this year. So I had a feeling this is what your hot take was going to be because I, I had gotten the sense in some some messages you had sent me, I think last weekend, um, where you were starting to sort of feel this way. First of all, let's, you know, focusing on the Malkin bit for a minute, uh, anyone who was able to pick him up at a discount around your league's trade deadline, this is great news for you if it means that he is not going to be out through the fantasy playoffs. Uh, you know, obviously we don't have a great idea of when he might be back, but the fact that he's out there means that it is likely that he will. Uh, and I'm sure that Pittsburgh uh, will welcome back that offensive combination. It's also great for those second line wings who are going to get a, a, a really skilled center to get to play with. So I like that. You know, uh, I, I'm torn because I understand what you're saying with Russ, but Rust has had a long track record of success. Obviously, he has been uh, going through a rocky phase here for a little while. Um, but it wasn't that long ago that everybody, you know, you couldn't shake a stick in the podcast realm without hearing somebody talking about, you know, that 65, 70 point pace for Brian Rust is legit and he can do it for real. And then he's kind of faded. Um, so yes, I agree. You stick with that hot hand with McCann, but you know, if he's not able to maintain that level of scoring proficiency, I'm a little more cagey, I think, than you are about Rust coming off power play one first, at least, you know, thinking in terms of the whole remaining season. I think at first, yes, it could definitely be him. But if McCann stumbles, if he is unable to keep up at the scorching pace, uh, maybe he does lose that spot. But he is likely to get Malkin back as a center. So uh, at least he'll have that to look forward to at even strength. Well, and that is kind of that is the part that's a bit of a question to me is do they run uh, McCann again back down on that third line as he was playing before? Before Malkin left, or do they keep him up in the top six to play with Cas with Kapanen or Zucker, put him up on that left wing? I think that that would be my play. I would I would keep McCann on the second line on the wing, and I would keep him on the top power play unit at least for a few games to see. Um, maybe that's what's what's missing is just Evgeny Malkin right on that top unit. That's that is definitely possible. We will not rule that out. Coming up, we'll talk about a couple of injuries in the North Division. You're listening to Short Shifts. 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we have a couple of injuries left to get to. We are going to start in Montreal, where Carey Price is out longer, at least till next week, said Coach Ducharme today. Jake Allen gets his second straight start tonight, which is a bit of a bummer to me. I mentioned I was looking forward to seeing some Caden Primo action. No such luck. Uh, Jake Allen struggling tonight, 14 of 17 against the Jets. So far, they're down 3-2 late in the third. Still some time for a bit of a comeback here. He had a great start last night. Um, is it possible, Lewis, and I wrote this question down before I saw uh, Jake Allen's stat line tonight, is it possible that Jake Allen could be what Jack Campbell has become for fantasy managers in Toronto if Carey Price's injury lingers? Well, you make that question easy to answer because I think it's simple to say no. Uh, <laughs> wow. Simply because Jack Allen? Just simply because the bar is so high. I mean, Jack Campbell just set a record for the Maple Leafs for most wins in a row, right? And I don't think we can expect Allen to do that, especially, you know, say what you will about Montreal and Toronto. But I think that Toronto is a team that is going to give you the uh, goal support to uh, protect you, even if things are looking a little grim on your end. And obviously things have not looked grim on Campbell's end because he's been outstanding. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think Allen is going to be a Jack Campbell. Um, but you know, if Montreal, you know, sees the need, we know that price, you know, is out for a while longer. We don't really know what exactly that means. And I think this could be a really good opportunity for him. Um, you know, uh, struggling on the back to back. Well, so it goes, but you know, I, I think having him available, uh, to make some of these starts, this is why they picked Allen up in the off season is to fill in, in this sort of way and to spell carry price in a way that they really haven't been able to do, uh, throughout his career and hopefully to help him, you know, avoid injury. Obviously that didn't happen, but this was not an overwork issue. You know, this was getting hit by a puck in a bad spot. Um, so I do think Allen is interesting and I think he could be, you know, a, two tiers down version of what Jack Campbell has been able to do uh, in Toronto. I would certainly be casting an eye at him. You know, I think, uh, I think he's an interesting play. Um, but you know, I, I, there are some other goalies out there who I think are, are in the same, you know, uh, area in terms of being appealing. Whereas Campbell, you know, uh, was someone who on the waiver wire is suddenly winning you weeks. And, and I don't see Alan doing that for you. Interesting. So I actually, I think I would have said, if you asked me this, uh, you know, if you'd asked me this, my answer would be if you if I found out that Carey Price was week to week, I would say maybe uh, mainly because I, I don't believe that Jack Campbell is quite as like, obviously, he's not 10. He's not going to win 10 out of every 10 starts. Um, I mean, I guess statistically, it seems like maybe that's a how could I say that? But um, yeah, I, Jake Allen, though, very talented. I, you could see him getting that, you know, ending up in a situation where he's facing a lot of pucks and getting volume. They're obviously not trusting in Caden Primo yet. So 
if you do have Jake Allen and Carey Price's injury lingers, then you could be getting a workhorse in Montreal, which which would be very interesting to me. We've seen that Jack Campbell at at least cannot be that workhorse starter this season, where he's been dealing with some load management issues. So that's where where the uh, where things for Jake Allen seem a little bit rosier to me. Let's go over to Edmonton next, where we don't have a lot of details on this injury, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins held out suddenly right before game time, of course, leading to a ton of speculation that he was going to be traded, which does not seem very likely. Um, however, what this made made us talk about, Lewis, is a good opportunity to point out that these Edmonton Oilers appear to have a brutal playoff schedule coming up. If you are in a league where playoffs start next week on... April the 12th, then what we've most recently heard from the NHL about the Vancouver Canucks is that they are likely not going to be back until the end of next week. If you look at the Edmonton Oilers schedule, their first two games of the week, Monday and Wednesday against Vancouver next week. So you will not be getting those games. Their next game is Saturday in Winnipeg. They have now, if if this bears out, if both Vancouver games are canceled next week, the Edmonton Oilers have just one game on the schedule next week and only two the following week versus Montreal. Again, Monday, Wednesday, nothing through the full weekend. So if you are depending on Edmonton Oilers, you may have just four games between this weekend and the 25th of April. Lewis, I have to be honest with you. I am a little bit nervous here after the trade deadline. I have, I have a lot of Oilers across my leagues. I mean, this is sort of the thing that we were all nervous about, um, you know, in this COVID season is, you know, obviously besides being uh, concerned for the health and well-being of the players, but, you know, what happens when it is down to crunch time? There's not time to make up all of these games without, you know, extending the schedule significantly in ways that uh, fantasy platforms are not going to be able to react to. You know, this is kind of the, this is the the worst case scenario. And it's tough because, a lot of teams, you know, this isn't this isn't the Red Wings getting screwed. This is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, teams that had McDavid and Dreisaitl and were counting on them to, you know, drive them through the playoffs the same way they probably have them, uh, you know, doing very well in their uh, league matchups. You know, this is very hard to take. Uh, I hope any of you out there listening to this who have these guys, maybe you earned yourself a buy with the outstanding play of McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Barry to a lesser extent. Um, because yeah, it's going to be tough. Now I will say, I bet that Saturday game, we just see some bonkers gonzo scoring from uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't have any scientific basis for this. I just feel like that is how it sort of has to be. I like it. Um, but yeah, like, what do you say? I mean, I think outside of, of the, the heavy hitters, I think you got to drop these guys to the wire because it is time to win and it's time to win now. Yeah. And so you, you hit on the point of this season is so unpredictable that it's tough to be overcommitted to one team. And so in this situation, we also have seen a lot of schedule changes coming in at the last minute from the league. And so my thought process here is that we could still see some changes. Of course, the reports today were that there were unlikely to be changes to the Oilers schedule, but who knows? Things are changing minute by minute at some points this NHL season. So with that in mind, I agree with you. Anyone not named Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not stapled to my fantasy team. I guess Tyson Berry's in there too. 
And Darnell Nurse. God, there's there's too many of them. I, I'm so bummed out. I can't even talk about this anymore. So if they don't play on the top power play, uh, you know, we can maybe afford to ditch them or are or, or shooting at crazy unsustainable rates like Nurse. Right. And so everybody go out and drop uh, drop Jesse Puyi-RV for Alex Song because he's on that top unit, right? <laughs> no, do not do that. Lewis, we have one more spot. We want to stop on our injury tour, and it is in Winnipeg. Blake Wheeler, out indefinitely, and uh, it looks like we have a familiar face popping on that top unit, huh? Yeah, so um, Wheeler's out with this concussion concern after taking a Brady Kachuk elbow. Uh, my hope is that maybe they're just being extra cautious with a star as Winnipeg is heading towards a playoff berth that they seem unlikely to relinquish. So um, fingers crossed, obviously, for Wheeler. In the meantime, uh, Andrew Kopp is taking Wheeler's spot next to Stastny and Dubois. Not obviously the ideal deployment mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, but I think it is a step up from the checking line he's had with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry. Cop uh, has been on quite the hot streak even before, um, you know, getting this new line upgrade. Uh, he had seven goals on 20 shots in the last nine games, four assists and 11 hits to go along with it over that span. Now, that does include four goals on four shots uh, in that outing versus Vancouver. Uh, so a grain of salt here. Um, but this run uh, was independent of his new deployment. So he should be a pretty interesting option, in my opinion. So Blake Wheeler off of this trip that Winnipeg is on. So out at least five games Definitely an opportunity for Andrew Kopp, and I, I'm hopeful to see him you know, put up, because this has been one of those seasons where he's been up and down and up and down. I would love to see him turn into an every-season own in fantasy. We have a couple of hot streaks here, or we have at least one hot streak here. Lewis, why don't you uh, walk us through our first player? All right, well, we have been asked that we've got to talk about this guy, downtown Connor Brown. Uh I have goals in five straight written down. Of course, that is outdated information because he has goals in six straight games uh, as he has scored uh, during the game here on Thursday night. Uh, I'm not going to include those stats right now just because they aren't final, but uh, goals in six straight games now. Um, in the last four games before uh, Thursday night, we saw ice time, uh, power play ice time climbing um, from the 30s previously to 42, 49, 54, and 48% of the power play time on ice, uh, and averaging over three shots a game uh, during this stretch versus his season average of 2.1. So that's always nice to see. Um, the, the In the previous game, he played with Ryan Dzingel and Clark Bishop. Um, but he's getting power play one deployment. Uh, and he had a nice five shots and 20 minutes of ice time uh, during uh, the previous game before this Thursday night one. So that looks nice, too. Uh, this recent good play does not seem to be a particularly massive overperformance. You know, he's not shooting 33% the way that Andrew Kopp is. Uh, he won't be point per game the rest of the way. Uh, but this is a somewhat sustainable run. You know, so when I look at Kopp, I see I like it because... He was on this run, and now he's getting a deployment upgrade that might let him maintain it somewhat. Uh, Brown is doing it, you know, despite being on this line with Zingle and Clark Bishop. So I don't love the deployment, but, you know, I love the shooting and I love that top power play deployment. So uh, that's what makes both of these guys pretty interesting hot streak options for me. Yeah, uh, definitely exciting to see what Connor Brown is doing. I actually really wanted to mention... Uh, another player in Ottawa today, and I, I couldn't justify myself because he's only 2% owned in Yahoo Leagues, but 
low-key Mike Riley is having a crazy season. 18 assists on the year. He's top 25 in defensive assists this season. Only four power play points, of course. He's not going to usurp Thomas Shabbat, but he's on a really nice tear right now, putting up a ton of assists over his past seven or eight games. I got to give a shout out to Mike Riley. There are worse streamers who are owned in almost no leagues than Mike Riley right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a guy who's been kind of on and off my my potential ad list, my watch list uh, here and there. I've never actually put him on there, but I, I regret it a lot because, yeah, I keep seeing these these apples pop up there. So way to go, Mike Riley. All right, Lewis, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you all so much for listening. Why don't you sign us out of here, Lewis? Oh, man, what a fun show. That one really flew by for <laughs> me. Uh Really enjoying myself and sad that uh, we won't be back again until we record uh, next Tuesday night. But we'll have so much for you then, uh, especially post-trade deadline. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is the last time we'll be uh, departing to, as friends because I think one of us is going to have to eliminate the other when we see each other next week. Um, but uh, yeah, give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. Brian and Elon, of course, are at Keeping Carlson. You can find Dave Betton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, please visit, enjoy, patronize. Uh, the websites where we research our episodes Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, NBC Edge, and Cacupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next week, play smart and keep your shifts short. <laughs>